Hey everybody, welcome to the Mountain Deer Podcast. I'm Rodney Elmer, hanging out with the man. How's it going, Dad? And we're, we had a few minutes and uh, we thought we'd throw a podcast together because there's some things that need to be discussed, I think, a little bit. And uh, um, I was uh, listening and watching and participating in a Facebook uh, thing that was, <laughs> and I know it's old man stuff, you yeah, know, fe- Facebook yeah. whining stuff, you know. And, yeah. And of course, we, we were having a discussion um, about uh, the number of deer that you can shoot per calendar year in Vermont. And uh, I think it's a great subject. It received a lot of attention. And uh, there's a few thoughts there that maybe the old guy and the young guy might have some conflicting views about. So here we go. It's possible. I mean, you, the other thing too is you and I, our styles as far as conservation go and our hunting styles and like our, you know, almost like our, what would you call it? What do you call them? There are the apple landed under the yeah. trees. Is that what you're telling me? No, no. But we no. we share a lot of the same kind of views on on things of this nature. So I don't think it's going to be too uh, too clashy for you and me. But no, we definitely want to get into some stuff. And I probably do have some different opinions. I'm a little I'm a little more familiar with the old school. Yeah, you are. You you're from you're from the farm <laughs> age. I, the farm I, age. I wasn't yeah. from. I'm not from that. So right. And then you have the not even outdoor age. So <laughs> that's a little bit below me. Though. Right. That's, some of the, that's a little right. bit newer. Right. The phone maybe, age. Maybe some of you can uh, yeah. chime in about that stuff sometime. Yeah. But so what exactly, uh, what kind of like prompted this? Uh, conversation well, um, of course, over time here, we've had a whole bunch of uh, fairly mild winters in Vermont. And of course, it's been easy. Yeah. The winter severity uh, is the biggest like deer killer. Um, in our neck of the country because we have so much snow and and so much cold and the bigger and heavier and the healthier a deer is and the area that he's got to feed in um, has to be really good in order for a deer to survive and do well and uh, yards are really everything and how the deer survives is really important and the harvest is like second in the deer's lives. Sure. And of course, far, because what do you mean as far as like what's going to impact, them yeah, most? what's going to impact their population and traffic, then, traffic and is yes, and then in turn their health, right? You know, the deer's diseases health, diseases and things like that. Yeah, absolutely. And and how uh, farm production, mm-hmm. you know, antler production, uh, all those things, their survivability is really keyed on you know how well they do. And winter severity is just the the determining factor. And then of course you have the predators, us and all the other things Bears that kill deer. And, yep. Yeah. And then of course road, road traffic and, you know, uh, fawns just dying when they're cold. And I mean, you have to raise deer enough deer to take care of the hunters, to take care of roadkill, to take care of everything and have them do well. So mm-hmm. it's a really gigantic dynamic thing. And, um, Many a sportsman will say, well, it's the government and them trying to run the show and how they do it. And um, it's a balancing act. And the, the sportsman, of course, ends up being the tool of the government. The measurement tool. Yeah. Like one of the most, because that's, that's one of the things that, you know, with our current uh, management and deer management system in the state of Vermont is we didn't really have too, too many like actual like hard numbers as to what the state had going on from like what mid 90s back. Except for when we almost like, you know, when whitetail were really endangered or whatever. Up until now, what kind of numbers are we talking? Like, how did the state go about, you know, actually collecting data? And did we even have a management plan up until this 
the last tenure plan that just went oh through. oh definitely there's always been a management plan of some kind you mm -hmm. know in the very beginning it was the management plan was to allow hunting you know when when the herd got to what they thought was enough to sustain a, a small especially you know male kill uh, the bucks of course you could harvest a few bucks and and they worked their way up uh, over time uh, the countryside changed and it, it Eventually, like in the 50s, things changed quite a bit because uh, farms were now required to have uh, concrete and bulk tanks, and the farming practices changed. And, Got harder and, to run a farm. Well, sure, and, and the smaller farm went out, and there was like this surge of pasturing areas that now were suddenly abandoned by the cows, and yep. that made what was a pasture Feed. state turn mm -hmm. into a deer feed state because yep. we started growing brush like crazy and and of course the the new successional forest bursting out everywhere uh, made this boon of deer and by the end of the 60s we we had a lot of really too many deer we had a huge deer herd um, and then we got really back-to-back -back winters almost three in a row of really bad winters 70 71 72 some of the worst winters we pretty much ever had. What's, a, what's an average for the state of Vermont on the um, severity index? Usually about 46 to 48 is, okay. you know, on the winter so severity you like, index. you got like a double winter in one, right. three years. Now, back you know, back. a lot of places like Tennessee and stuff may not have like a winter severity index, but we do. We, we give a day a point if it's below zero. And then we give it another point if Certain the mean snow. depth of snow yep. is more than 20 inches. So when you get in the 18 to 20 inches of snow and it's, um, and it's cold and it's cold below zero, now that day gets two points. Yep. Now, as the winter accumulates and when you have lots of snow and it stays cold and the snow doesn't melt or, you know, work its way, you know, compact, it's really tough on the deer. So, um, you, you can also have winters when it's really mild and the last, we, the last few we've had haven't been that bad but we're yeah. just getting snow really early. Yeah, sure. Uh, for, well, this will be five years ago now. We had one of the mildest winters we've ever had yeah. on record ever. It was a nine uh, statewide, which is a really Average, super, anyway. yeah, that was yeah. a super really mild winter. And, of course, the fawn production like was crazy. It's like a fifth of, the, of a normal winter. Yeah, absolutely. But we've also had years where you could have almost a double and have 140 or 100 or 110, 120 yeah. inch. Uh, 20 point winter yeah, that would it's three and one yeah so like in some areas but that those areas that really get pounded with lots of snow and lots of cold they're that way most all the time mm -hmm. and the deer and the deer are hardier right there's like yes. you have you have a kind of deer that can make it through those those weather patterns you know yeah. southern deer are not going to do hot right but these See, deer have been up here have been doing it for decades sure you know long time they're yeah. starting to get it they're getting adapted to it and sometimes you have bad winters and it's even on easy winters, you're going to have deer that don't make it. Right. And of course the, the herd will um, increase and decrease, especially because of those. And the fawn production is affected by it. And the other thing is like the topography of the land. Mm -hmm. uh, the Adirondacks are just a giant mountain range off to our west. And most of our weather comes from the west to the east. You know, the jet stream blows it in that direction. Yep. And the Green Mountains, which are down the center of Vermont, receive... Uh, uh, the second wave of snow the first wave drops on the adirondacks and that's just the beginning really and then it goes across the champlain valley which has the the lake champlain uh 
basin just evaporating lots of moisture oh, yeah. and it rolls up into those clouds and that helps and it's not all, always iced over so it, it puts a lot of water up into those clouds and when they hit the second mountain range and it that cold air cools hammered. off and we're on the eastern side of that we get even more Makes so bucks, like though. that's right you you have this mountain range snow shadow that really affects things but vermont is really diverse and uh, the vast majority of our state is wider and like the area, the mass of the state, there's a wider, bigger area of it that's farther north. So yeah. that alone, just the latitude alone makes it colder, makes makes more. So it's a little tougher on them some. Isn't that interesting? And then when you go to New Hampshire, like they're our next door neighbor they're and, the and they're the other way around. opposite. Yes. And, and they have the White Mountains, which we, are generally taller than our, ours. Our deer herd is almost complete opposite too. Yes. Wow. Yes. It's really amazing. Now, when you get into, you, you go into New Hampshire and into the White Mountains, mm. and, and they're on average a little bit taller of a mountain range, with Mount Washington being, you know, really high, 6,000, 5,000, 6,000 feet. I'm not. You know, it, sure. Yeah. It, and our, our, our biggest is 4,000 something. So, they, they, yeah, they, they pick up a little bit more. And there's a substantial valley between the two. So again, more evaporation and, you know, that the white mountains really get some snow and, but that said the winters, winters are a huge chunk and a huge factor in affecting our deer herd and how well they can intermingle. Absolutely. Because and of it, course the, those wintering the areas, the, the yards are everything. Keeps our, keeps our, you know, five isolated ish deer herds. Because we have one deer herd, but it's really five or so sections, right? Yeah. And those are all broken up because of, you know, rivers and mountain ranges and, you know, our valleys and our also our urban areas also kind of keep them from really intermingling. Yeah, so, we've got like a, a like five little different deer herds genetically yeah. inside of our, you know, one big state herd. And they don't herd. mix very often. Yeah, they don't mix a great lot. I mean, they I'm sure they do some, you know, they, but... In general, with having such you know pretty substantial barriers between things, it, it does affect things. Uh, for the most part, uh, our valleys end up growing lots of deer. The winters aren't anywhere near as long, and it, the the valleys get nice and sunny, There's and it's not anywhere bad. There's better feed. Um, the the topography is a little more broken down there, and, and that part of it is. But it's also more humanly populated. Um, as soon as you, yes, as soon as you get into the yeah. mountains, and especially in the Adirondacks and as well here uh, in the Green Mountains, our mountains grow a lot of hardwood trees. So mm -hmm. that affects, you know, the carrying capacity deer-wise of the land. In Vermont, in the last about 25 years, uh, our carrying capacity statewide has been slowly decreasing and we're only cutting uh, you know a one to some maybe two percent total uh forest every each year, year yeah. each year so we're not cutting you know you should cut 10 percent per year you know to keep a lot of new successional stuff in so biomass volume uh an acre will generate about a quarter wood a year for the, isn't yeah, that, isn't and, that an and estimated yes, for right. our kind of forest type? Yes, that's it, what we're generating. like. You could so, take a cord of wood off an acre every year and not really and affect you wouldn't, it. You wouldn't really stunt. You wouldn't stunt it as it is, but it would. You'd keep it back. 
basically yeah. is all you would do. Well, you would help it turn over just a hair faster. Yeah. Yeah. Because all of a sudden now you have new light and you have new growth sure. and new stimulation. You know, some of the better areas in Vermont where the trees are pretty good size, there can be 27 cords per acre if you start cutting it. I mean, that's yeah. that's a lot it of wood. Because an acre isn't very big. It's but only 600 feet. But you need that, though, feet. because if we have a complete overstory and the average tree is 9, 10, you know, upward... Yeah, and 10, 11 inches. Tree, it's like deer don't Diana, fly. Yeah. And the kind of trees that we have, not that much oak and not a lot of hardwood trees that produce a lot of feed. You know, Aside from maple. Having, maple. Maple puts out a lot well, if, yeah, if, if but, it can. But we have, what we have is not a lot of light getting to your forest floor. So when you're in a lot of like our state, our state forests and stuff, you're staying there and it's a giant, you know, it's people woods. Yeah, you know, you no can brush see, you can see 300 yards and there's really, there's beautiful. no good place to find a, a spot to hide a fawn or anything like that. So which kind of now, you know, deer will go through there and they'll, you know, try to browse a little bit. But as far as the amount that they're hanging out there, yeah. that's one of the things that also probably separates them too. And of course we, we run into the same problem that all the other States do your suburbs and places with lots of people and not much room to where hunt you need deer shot. where you need to get those deer dead because they are really starting to affect, you know, road traffic, uh, uh, everybody's hedges in their Gardens. yards and and they're everywhere and of course as soon as those more populated areas become overpopulated it's really difficult to get it back under control again um, many states are finding that it, they, they just sometimes can't get it back under control at all no matter how hard they try and there's a general tendency among hunters to want to shoot bucks and to not really care about killing does all that yep. much. You know, here we call ourselves conservationists. You know, we're, we're, we're supposed to be the ones to help control the herd. And uh, a lot of guys just refuse to shoot a doe. And um, they you know, grew up in a time where you didn't want to shoot does. And like the stigma yes, was they didn't want to shoot does, right? So yes. it's like, what was when was it where the deer herd was starting to get reestablished uh, in Vermont specifically? Like was that it was sixties or a little bit before? Oh, that? before that. Before um, that. So like, when there wasn't a yes, whole lot of deer. Right after now World War II, there was very few deer, okay. and, and so, you know, in the fifties, they actually started getting the seasons going again, and and stuff like that. Which makes it the sixty, seventy-year-old guy. Yeah, the and I'm fellow. sure it was pretty dead, you know, at the turn of the century when you got in the you know late eighteen hundreds and the early nineteen hundreds. I'm sure there was hardly probably. any deer at all. And, you know, probably in the 20s, if you saw a deer, it was a momentous occasion. Mm. You know, um, some of the areas like where it was more mountainous and more remote, there's, you know, lots of there was some remnants of the original more, deer herd yep. that was here. Yep. And everything that was kind of in farm country and stuff had been shot and utilized and eaten. Um, that's how they the dollar bill get to got to be known as a buck. Right. Yeah. That's how it got its name because a dollar was what a buck's hide was worth. Yeah. You know, so like when you, you go back in history and you see the people and you understood their values and then you worked your way up into a more modern age and you saw the people's values change. And um, I, a lot of older guys like my dad, those those fellas like saw the 60s and they were so happy with having 25 deer out on the lawn yeah where you i would go to my grandmother's house well before you know when i was 10 years old i would go to my grandmother's on saturday to eat eat you know supper on saturday night with the family and while we were eating supper we'd have 15 or 20 sometimes deer come out in the field around wow. my dad's now my dad's house it was mm -hmm. my grandmother's house come out and feed there um and 
we would just look at all the different deer that were just out there and we just kind of said well it's no big deal but when you have 25 in the field right in front of you there could be three times that out in the woods you know so it's like it's it's hard to know and especially with a really forested state vermont is you know 80 84 85 87 it's in the mid 80s you know percentage of being forest cover and that's pretty incredible you got a lot of deer on the land that you just can't see Mm. you know you used to be able to see them and you can't that's that's one of the things that's difficult about you know knowing our exact deer population in the state of vermont is it's mostly forested and it's all small sections of privatized land and you know there's no way Mm. there's no way that you're going to have a really really solid estimate like you're going to know you're going to be able to you know calculate and hunter success and all traffic and you're going to be able to get some pretty pretty close numbers but you're not going to know exactly what's on the land ever no no you'll never know that exact number you have to kind of have some sideboards and go for it and of course um vermonters especially have loved their deer herd so much that all of us have like turned into this deer biologist like we're (laughs) yeah everybody knows what the well we've studied it and we've really looked into it a lot and just as people you know, just as ordinary people trying to learn as much about them as we can mm. and stuff like that. And then, of course, um, because it's a publicly owned resource, everyone owns a deer herd, not just the landowner, like, you know, England, the king. That uh, creates a need for some politics because as soon as people are involved in making the decisions now it's political it requires management that's right but it also requires some science and it requires some policing somebody that that actually used some real solid numbers somebody that knows something for real sure so that's why you know we we hire that section of the state you know the fish and wildlife department they are the police and the science they they for the most part do not make real many real decisions on how things go because they ask the public they want to know what the public says if there's an emergency of some kind the commissioner can definitely make some rules they have levels and they have levels you know where they can do things in because they have been um, put in charge of taking care of the wild resources for all time for the people of this state by the ultimate power, which is the legislature. So the legislature hands down this power and says, look, I want you to take care of this for us. You will study it and we'll um, dedicate a dedic- branch of government for this and law enforcement because too. it's so important. That's right. Even law enforcement, yep. you know, for a branch of government, just an odd branch to have an enforcement behind it. It goes to show its importance, and people in, in our state just are we we love we're our wild it. places and we're our wild it. things, and we're going to yep. do it. We're going to figure it out and do the best we can. The culture here also makes a little bit of uh, I don't know. I think you know because I live in Southern Maine now, um, yeah. and there is a different kind of culture that comes with having a higher population of people. And mm-hmm. I think that the you know Vermont feels a lot like northern maine more rural. you know what i mean when you get yeah. to a bit more rural everybody kind of keeps themselves and kind of keeps their distance not saying they're not friendly people you know and everyone's kind enough when you're in their circle you're in good right, right. when you finally get in good with somebody they'll freaking die for right. you might take 20 years to learn but, who your neighbor but is right by the same token <laughs> they keep to themselves and they like neighbors who do the same yep. so everyone kind of has their own little slice mm-hmm. of the pie here and really 
wants to keep it that way. They value their independence and they value their own, you know, control over what they have going on. And when you have now, you say, well, what do all of you want? And they all have varying different different opinions. It creates a lot of passion. Oh yeah, and, passion and of course everybody's got up government yeah. a little too much. Everybody's got what they want. Yes, right. Everybody wants what they want. Yeah, and, and, and which is that's fun, okay. But by yeah. the same token, it right. sometimes can make things difficult when you have three different generations saying three different things about something they're all trying to manage simultaneously. Sure. You have some that say, don't, you know, we don't want to shoot any does. And you have some saying, well, you know, we should shoot some. And you have others that say, dude, we got to blast them. Right. Right. And we, you know, there's, you have this different, there's some outlooks, different outlooks just among people. Perspectives. Yep. Yep. And two different drives, different reasons for what they want. Yes. And how they want it. And, the, and now and you different have different values. Now fish and wildlife's job is to be like, try to make heads or tails of it and, you know, and decide what's going to be in the people's best interest. That also coincides with what the deer and, and not just deer, but the fish and the habitat requires as well. Right. Nature's requirements. That's yes. right. Because it's not just deer. And we have, we have kind of this, like we favor deer over almost any other animal in North America because there's, you know, well, they're awesome. It's pretty easy to see why <laughs> I freaking love them. But yeah. it, you have, you have a favoritism. They're a really valuable thing yes. to the people of this country. Yes. You and know, very, same as elk. And they elk are very are passionate about their deer. Bears. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Now, when you have such a valuable thing and you want to do the best possible thing to it, and then you have a diverse state like Vermont mm-hmm. where you drive 10 miles and the hunting is completely different. The hunting yep. pressure is completely different. The number of people on the land is completely different. The number of deer on the land is completely different. Yep. Their habits and how things go, it, it, Vermont is a very diverse state. So it makes this a really good experiment right of of how to go about things when did they start implementing an actual uh, an antler management system like when did they have regulation on antlers was that i i want to say 2005 so up until from the time that they were reestablishing the deer herd right world war ii or whenever it happened to be all the way up until now they just had numbers of deer and they had whether it was a buck or not did they classify the antlers as what you would call a buck or not what was legal Oh, definitely. Yeah. They, they, How did that? Well, they had the spike, you know, it has to be three inches long. Oh, so you know, they, had main, like, they had like Maine and New yeah, Hampshire main, rules. Main, main style thing. Same. Okay. Yeah. Um, that, that was the other interesting thing. Like uh, an average one and a half year old in Vermont has three points. Mm-hmm. He weighs 113 pounds. If you go to New Hampshire, really? he Still? has a, a one and a half year old in New Hampshire, their average. Um, I'm pretty sure last time I, I checked on this was uh, 114 pounds and three points. And in Maine, it was like 116 pounds and three points. So like the average one and a half year old identical. in all three states was nearly identical. Yeah. So that was a really interesting thing. And when, when was that measurement taken? Because Vermont's average deer has gone up over the last decade. Well, though. the average deer was that of, what, early of what we shoot, you mean? Or well, the average no. one and a half. When before, because remember, in the last ten years, they had said that the average, uh, the average buck that we harvest has actually increased in size. It was a hundred and like well, thirty or well, something. Well, for a long time, when we were just either shooting a doe, if you had a doe permit, mm-hmm. or you shot a legal buck, which had spikes longer than three inches, yep. one spike longer than three inches. Uh, that. That was the system, and you pretty much went by that. Yep. And uh, the doe 
the doe stuff really started in when we had a really huge herd at the end of the 60s and the department is like we've got bende right we've got way too many deer we need to get that yep. the numbers down the herd has just exploded and and sure enough along they they shoot as many as they can but there was two three bad winters in a row mm, and the herd just died because course, they ate themselves out of house and home everybody's gonna hate that dude and everybody's right. blaming the dude when those three bad winners because were really what the really real was a perfect storm. Was. Oh, it was right. You had a you had a huge population, yes. and then you made regulations saying, "Yo, we got to cut this back." And then winter came in and slaughtered them even worse. And yes. now you had a really bad fawn crop. Yeah, because the, no one was getting any nutrition, and they, they weren't making it through the, the winter. winter areas were devastating. And now you go into the next fall, and you measure what happened because of that, and then it still takes another year to even implement regulations and it's three years before you start seeing results so that dude they people want to probably hang him and of course poor guy like they were also a generation that really never had to shoot does mm -hmm. and they had like a, a farmer mentality right you don't shoot the cows because cows make more cows right yeah you get rid of the bulls yep because right. it only that. takes one to do them all. So That's right. So we're good. <laughs> yeah, you know, basically. Keep the dough so we have lots of deer. We only because need a few bucks. They, they started with very few deer. They got to enjoy a giant herd. Then it gets devastated. And now they're back to protecting does See, again. look what happens when you shoot them all. And, of course, in about yeah. a 10 to 11, 12-year period, yep. the herd grows again because there's no doe killing. And the herd grows again. The land recovers. How are the winters? Uh, medium, they... medium average. Okay. So... Yeah. With about a five year cycle, we, we get like every five years, we get a real good rock. If you winter. pair slaying deer with a bad winter, you're going to have no deer come spring. If your habitat is crap. Yes. So, and then of course, right there, it's like, well, what, what's, you know, the reason they heard crash was probably not because of hunters. Right. It had more to do, right. How many deer had they shot in those years? in the late sixties when he said we need to cut back the population, how many deer did they shoot? 20,000, 25,000, 30,000. Cause we're shooting just under 20 our, on like, average. Well, like our highest, our highest kill ever was yeah. 20 or less right around the 20,000. Seriously. Park. I, 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 I can't say for sure. I, I can't remember now, but, um, even if it was, even if 30. it was 25 or 30, that was nothing when you had 200,000 deer on the land. Yeah. And how you know, many, how more. many deer died because of winter? What's the, what's the winter well, kill success rate? Well, see right? that percentage would be very different, especially in a second bad winter or yeah. a third bad winter when the yards were devastating and without repairing the yards and doing any cutting. You didn't have any chance. Smaller. Right. So the seventies go by and yep. the deer yards repair some because the herd has been knocked back. That's what nature would do, right? She'd knock it back because yep. there's too many. And then in the early eighties, now the herd's really grown pretty good. Had a couple of mild winters in the that's end of the seventies, early eighties, the herd grows pretty good and they're back to issuing permits because they want to bring that herd back back under control again and that's when i end up getting a permit i shoot my very first deer which nice. is the doe very nice right good for you and now i'm part of i join the hunting ranks yep became a wolf and now Almost. i'm i'm still now farm. still you're a fox back then right I, I was Coyote. super happy to shoot a doe i'll be glad to shoot any deer mm -hmm. whatsoever i can just shoot a deer you i was casey, happy with you that. and casey uh 2018 Right? Mm -hmm. Or was it last year? 
You guys went out and on our, and you harvested the first deer off our land. Yeah. And how long? Oh, a long time. Long time. You and yep. him got a doe. That's right on film. Yep. Yep. So, like, when you start, you know, going after some of those does and you start picking out how to do it as a department, um, one of the good things about archery is that it kills a lot of does. And a lot of fellas will go and archery hunt where the population is high. It's also more friendly around urban high areas. populations of urban, yep. you know, it's high populations. It's quiet. People. It's less invasive to people. It's a little less intrusive. Yep. And you yep. can just kind of sneak in there know, and get up in a tree ball. stand and punk and get the deer dead and get it out of there. And it works really well. You don't really have to manage bow hunters and how they do all that much. Also, the amount of bow hunters is significantly lower than the amount of rifle and muzzleloader. More people want to use firearm than yep. uh, archery. Although a lot of bow hunters will also be more likely to muzzleloader and rifle. They're more into it. They're more it. into it. Yeah, yep. in general. And they're more willing to shoot a doe. Mm -hmm. The rifle hunters, a lot of them are older guys. And the vast one, majority one of them kind of are thing. really, they can only use one deer. They really only plan on like getting that one deer with so a firearm. So it might as well be a big buck with antlers. Why not? Yeah. Right? If you're going to shoot any, right, they're like, I might as well get one that makes more sense for me. Yep. Which is having something to put on the wall and it weighs more right more meat bigger body and it's right it's more yep. exciting yep so they go for that for now, them it makes more sense the american sportsman talks about how he's a conservationist all the time he talks <laughs> about how we need to keep the deer herds under control we need to buy the licenses which are all good things funding funding We're is funding, very anything right? that's sustainable has to be there has to be economics involved that's right so now we we have this like commitment to doing the right thing. But when you survey hunters, which the department has done quite a few times, and they find that only one out of three hunters is willing to shoot a doe. The vast majority of them don't want to shoot a doe. They'd rather stand next to a buck, right? You got a 120 pound doe or a 120 pound four pointer. And you, when given the choice, the vast majority of hunters will shoot the boot jack, right? They'll shoot that buck, you know, with the with those handles on it. They like that. They want to stand next to that more, which yep. is fine. However, we call ourselves conservationists, the conservation which means keeping move, the herd under control. Which is the does. Right. Now, when it comes to killing does and how we go about doing that, when only a third of us want to even bother. And a lot of us really love to hunt buck, Right. That's yeah. more of an issue. Yeah, it is. So now we get back to that Facebook. Uh, yeah, we've made thread, the loop. Right. Back and, to so and, what did right? What we're did all say? discussing what was the context. Well, How of course, we're all discussing. You know, what's the best way to go about getting those does dead? You know, what's the best way to manage the does? So, well, he, you know, what how was to go the, about what killing was the, them? What exactly was said? What started the conversation? What was the question or whatever? Well, the original question is, is it a good idea to, you know, have four? Four sounds like a lot. So, you know, for a hunter to be able to shoot four deer in, in the calendar state of Vermont, year in the right state Right now, Vermont. you're allowed to shoot four deer. One being a antlered buck. Yes. Three being does. Yes. Okay. Now, the... The past, I want to say, boy, quite a while, as long as I can remember almost, we've been allowed three deer. Which was two doe and a buck. Right. Or two buck and a doe. No. Or two. three does. You could shoot two does with a, with a bow, mm -hmm. and then if you had a doe permit, 
another one. Oh, with a muzzle okay. loader. Okay. Right? So what was the buck situation up until now? Two buck. Two buck and a But dollar. only one buck in a season. So which was archery and then Or a rifle or, or a muzzle. That's right. And when you did it, you were Right. Yeah. So now we come down to, well, first of all, what's the best timing to shoot a doe? You know, early or late. And of course, uh pre state of Vermont, or bread, basically. Right. And then thinking. then it comes down to not only timing, but it also comes down to method. You know, what's what whether it's archery or whether it's a rifle. The method thing. Or whether it's a muzzle loader or all three. I don't think method matters. Dead's dead, right? Pretty much. The only thing that matters is depending on timing, right? If you wanted to get your doe population down before the rut, that's one thing. You know, mm-hmm. and the way that we have our uh seasons laid out for what implement you're gonna use is basically now that has to do with method. Now you're down to But method. as far as actual, like, whether you should shoot does with a bow or something, it is irrelevant. Right. Because the only really kind of good thing about, especially like archery does, is the fact that you don't have to manage the archery hunters as much. They tend to hunt where there's lots of does and they need to go. That's, um, that's a social trend, though. That's not anything that has to do with legislation. Right. But it's also a working method, right? The department, yes. you know, looks at where these are being killed location-wise mm-hmm. and the timing and the areas that are being killed. And way up in the mountains where there's really not too much of a need to manage deer because there's so few yeah, up the deer, there. Yeah, the deer, the pop's low. Right. I mean, yep. like in the town of Norton, if they shoot four bucks, that's... <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. And there's no doe permits at yeah. all, and there hasn't been, and the herd doesn't grow up there, mm. then you're the not managing the deer. The winters are way bad, and the habitat's not that great. Right. So. I mean, you're not managing deer killing four bucks in one township, right? Mm. That, that's just... That's not deer management. Deer management's when you're trying to keep the herd at a certain size, and you work at it, right? That's more of what which deer is, management actually entails. Which is difficult to do. If you don't know the exact number. And you don't have control over the land if a fair amount of it's posted. And you don't have like control had, over well, the hunters. Right? Like we your had tool. said earlier, right? We have we have two things that are working against us for deer management in the state of Vermont. One, we have social trends of no one wants to shoot does. Yep. The, what's the population for hunters in the state of Vermont? It's 15%? Well, no, per capita, it's yeah. It's in the 15, 14 And we have 600,000, right? So what is that, 90 90k is our max amount of hunters we've we have yeah, right? normally we, we've got about like you know in the 60s and that means that low 30,000 of the hunters are willing to shoot a deer with an eight percent hunter success rate right we're not going to shoot a lot of does right the other thing that we have working kind of against us is it's hard to manage land and tell landowners what to do when the majority of your state is privatized yeah. Right. We have like small 80%. tracts of land that are yeah. owned by the people and mm-hmm. you're not going to tell somebody what they can and can't do or should do with their land. They're going to do what they want to do. And a lot of people don't really like you have been managing your land for a deer yard oh, for yeah. how long? Well, 30 years. How well is that gone? Not well. Why? Uh, for one, it takes forever <laughs> to make a forest to make a forest change. Yes. It can take minutes. Or a right, with a fell buncher. Right. right? Yeah. I can go out with a fell buncher. You're doing low impact logging. Right. I'm doing that just low, just tractor. one here, one there gardening. Right. Yes. I, I've got big a hundred acre garden. Right. And and I pull big carrots every so often and I, I thin the little small crooked crowded dead and dying, you know, mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. And and I try and diversify it as much as possible yep. without 
being too crazy. But why hasn't it worked though? Well, in your opinion, its carrying capacity hasn't really improved a great lot. It has some, but not the way I wanted it to. And especially because the area can be so easily, it's so small. My hundred acres is so small in comparison, in comparison to all the land around me. So I've created this oasis of good habitat and feed, right? It's like putting a McDonald's <laughs> in the middle of a, a big area of starving people. The McDonald's will get pounded. Yeah. And now it won't be able to supply a lot of food because yep. it gets so overworked. Yep. And of course, if you build it, they will come. You you build that yard and the deer show up and, and they're there it. and now they undo a you have lot to of keep the good them out. Really, you yeah, have to keep for, them out all in the year. Beginning, in the beginning, I was yep. working hard at keeping deer out they'll in just, the worst part of the winter. Yep, they'll you set know, you back. Trying to keep them into a, a little bit lesser of an area, and that was just not successful. And of course, they, they managed the night, to eat all right the back. food I grew every year. They ate it. And, and of course, you have like this double, you, with the snow, if we got lots of snow, the snow protected the new growth. Yep. Underneath, the, you know, the new little raspberry shoot that was 10 inches tall, Got and hidden. It, and in it, it didn't get eaten because it was underneath snow. They had to work really hard in order to get it. Right. And, and, and better Oz, off eating right. at head height. So I had that. And that, of course, is the very juiciest, the best, is the new growth of the mm -hmm. year. So when you can't grow that new growth of the year in a, in a height that the deer can use it where it's above the snow, but it's not above their reach. So there's this precious zone of where a deer can feed. Yeah, like a ribbon of like forest. That goes through. That's right. That's probably like from knee foot height. and a half, yeah, foot knee and a half height and high. up to about five feet is yep. like max. Six, six all feet the way when they're through. on their hind legs, right? right? But even yep. then, you don't want to stand on your hind. They're not going to really hop up too much. Unless well, the they fawn have to. definitely won't. Well, yeah, the adults can reach up right? to six so feet. So then yep. you have this precious ribbon that runs all the way through. That in the majority of the state is non-existent. And if this, the if the area surrounding your parcel of land doesn't have that. They're all going to come in, destroy it, right? So what it's going to yep. do is it's going to boost the amount of deer that are on your land during the time, right? Or in yep. the winter when they're really hungry. And after that, they're going to eat you out of, the, out of house and home and turn the whole thing back into desolate right. woods for them anyway. So you you have these, I would have a year where the winter was pretty bad and the yep. deer would come right into my yard and chew it. And then I'd have another year where there was hardly any snow at all, and they didn't have to come into it. And they could find food almost anywhere. Yes, yeah, so they'd come through, eat a little bit, and move on. Right. And, and it, that was so nice because it gave me a break and yeah. it gave the land a break, but yeah. it also gave the land a chance to grow more, which right. soon started attracting more. So like it's a double edged sword. You build it, they show up, they eat it. You build it, they show up, you eat it. Right. So yeah. it's this nonstop like wave, which is what nature does. You yep. know, game population, like trees, waves. everything is waves, everything and that's okay, that, and that's, that's fine. Right. Human population right now is in a wave, right? Yep. So that's okay, but, you know, being humans, we like to see our waves. Small. Yeah. Very And small. not drastic. Almost and, and we like to be able to maintain. Flatline. <laughs> the important thing to remember about us, especially in the last 20, 25 years, is that we've been shooting about 10, 11,000 bucks, 9,000, we got down to seven or eight. I what think, are, uh, or less what were, when we had last year's our antler restriction. Do you have um, those up on Yeah, you? this last season um, we shot uh, about 16,000 deer. According to 
Fish and Wildlife. Yeah, uh, from the department on the Buck Harvest Report. You know, report. any of you can definitely take a look at that if you we'll go have to the a, Vermont Big Game uh, Harvest Report for deer. We'll uh, have a link to that. There's a link to that in the description below if you guys want to actually go and like so look you, at the. You real can check it out. That. You know, yeah. so like there, this argument was like, well, when's the best time to kill a doe? Mm. For starters, let's just take that. Um, if you shoot the doe early, well, now you're not killing two fawns. Yeah, you're not that was a mentality of many people. Now, you're, you're, which is you're, sh you're shooting potential fawns though, right? Which right. it's identical. Yes, it is identical. It's you're, identical, right? It's potential. Whether now, they're in the you're, um, you're womb killing or in one the deer, but you're matter. taking out three. That's kind of the point, right? Now, that's good because you're actually doing the most amount of good with the least amount of harm. Instead of having to go out and shoot three deer two years from now. You can go out and shoot one this year, that's and it keeps fawns. you. That that's right, and it keeps you from having to go out. Now the fawns, we're the whole point of uh, hunting does is to okay, keep okay. the fawns from landing mm -hmm. on the land. So right, we're trying to keep fawns from landing. What they want to do is you want to shoot does after they've been bred. Is what you're saying? No, not necessarily. Well, if you want to keep the numbers down, right? If you shoot a doe that hasn't been bred. She doesn't have a fawn yet, but if you shoot one that has, now has been later bred, in the future, she's still not going to have a fawn. Yeah, see, well, it doesn't matter. Yeah, see, it's still potential. Okay, yeah, that's yeah. right. So yep, whether you is. kill Hasn't fawns changed. that are actual fawns or you kill potential fawns by killing the doe early, then you're shooting hundreds of deer no matter what you do. <laughs> yeah, potential, but you're yeah. actually killing fewer. But having, no, you're killing fewer, but taking more off the land. You're doing the most amount of good with the least amount of harm. Long term. Yes. Long and term. That's, Not that, short, short term, it's identical. That's right. Short term's identical, but long term, it's, it's better to do it that way. Now, whether you kill the doe early and you say, well, the, the bucks will spend their time breeding does that will actually have fawns. They thought, well, we're saving buck energy. Well, that turned out to not be the case because no. if there were no does at all, he still do that. He would still search. We see that every yes. year, right? Yes. You see that in Maine with a doe population super low, and you hop on a big buck who's just running back and forth and back and, and he's forth. He's wearing back, himself just out, turning down to skinny bones. It's not because he's looking for does, because he has a biological drive to walk. To walk. That's and right. He is going to go find one. He's going to go look. He Even will expend his energy no matter what. Yes. Regardless. If you got rid of all the does tomorrow, those bucks will go through their season tired because they've been doing their thing. Or if you put tons of does on the land, he's still going to do it. Yes. He's going to go from one to, and then go way over there and do it and then come way back and do it way over here. It's now, just, the very purpose of a deer yard is to trade the food in it for fawns. Yes. That's the very purpose of a deer yard. Yep. The food that a, a, a deer it's yard grows. deer going through the winter it, so they can That's they, right. They can fawn it's in money spring. to ensure that deer are there the following. You trade yard for deer. It's a deer savings fund. It really is. Yeah. Now, it's That's a, a trade-off. It. It's a working method because you're trading one form of life for another form of life, which in turn will help the first form in life, right? Yeah. It's a circle, nature circle thing. That's really good. Now, when we say we're conservationists and we say we do it because it's necessary and then we don't do what's necessary, we don't doe hunt. And we don't manage our land 
and we don't habitat. manage our land. We or we don't even try and just undo the the bad that we've done to the land. Well, what do you mean? You no, know, you build a house, right? You oh, build a house oh, and you, you mean, take away habitat. You mean the removal of habitat by us creating our own? That's right. That's what man's doing everywhere, right? The world needs a place to grow. Now, a human being has a huge footprint on the land. Look yeah. how much lawn you have. That's a footprint, right? That's a human being footprint. Look at all our roads. Look at all our roofs. Look at all the space a single human being takes up. Now you look at the amount of space a deer takes up. His body. The rest of it, he moves around. He works within it, and there's Mm -hmm. space. Like deer don't have lawns and mow them, (laughs) right? If they knew. And forbid. (laughs) They don't forbid. If they knew what it was like to drive a truck, they'd be like, hmm. I need a garage. <laughs> right? Yeah. So, like, there's this this part, there's this side of us that says, I want lots of hunters around, and hunters are going down, and there's not very many. We need to get them going. And then they hang up a poster, these same guys. Well, I want them around, yeah. but not on my land. Not, yeah, not me. And it turns out, well, I, I would rather just make sure that I get to keep hunting. That's the only thing that's really, really real. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So if it's it's hard to not be two faced and have like multiple motives, well, we all sometimes. we all have it's 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 more of a mood. Yes, it's not necessarily <laughs> like it's a it's not like a, a person that you are all the time. I think we have moods. We'll be in a you know we got to shoot does, we got to do this, we got to do that, you know, and then we'll have a let's go kill a big buck and the does. Right, I'm not I'm not hunting the doe. Right, I want a big buck. Right, right. and then you have those kind of. You know, those kind of swings back and forth, the wave, as you had put it. But, like, what's the best way then for, in your opinion, what's the best way for a normal person to make a bit more, you know, of a conscious step towards being a conservationist? Like, what's something that everybody can do in a small amount that would make a big impact on just the habitat and our deer herd health overall? Because numbers is out of our hands, if you look at it. It really is, right? Like, you mean tags? As in numbers? No, number, or, or numbers as in like our, our kill every year. Like oh. we do a really good job. We're shooting the same amount of deer with half the hunters that we used to, right? Yep. Yeah. We're, so we're the getting hunting, way more effective right. as hunters. Yes, And you are. have to when your numbers are going down. But the thing that determines how well the deer herd does overall is the, where they're being kept and how their feed is. And that coincides with winters. And yep. you have no control over the winter. Nope. So the only thing that we really can do good that would affect all of the deer is habitat but like you just said earlier it's a double-edged sword as soon as you fix it you start unless every it's one of those problems where like unless everybody does it it's only short-term gains really yeah you know what i mean and they're short-term gains you've seen more deer on your land and we've had a chance to hunt some beauties over here now because during the rut the does want to be over here it feels nice and safe and they can hang out and jimmy and i down valley forge the other side of the shop right Right. here down we we were we were all hunting this beautiful buck the bulletproof deer man you could not Put a, a muzzleload around in him. You could not. It was impossible. He was we doing were a with dance him. around you guys. And he wasn't even like, it's not like he was on it. He had his head up a doe's butt, right? He's sniffing right after walking. You couldn't like, he was he was out in space and we still couldn't put a bullet in. I it heard you guys was, shooting <laughs> and I'm like, man, that deer should be dead by now. What is going on It was on like, man, there? we should just shoot the doe and kaboom, then have him walk over. And now he's staying put, right? Kaboom, kaboom, oh, kaboom. And I'm like, man, something should be dead. So or they the, should be in my yeah, lap here pretty yeah. soon. And in of the, course, nothing in the short ever happened. Term, in the short term, it did good, right? It affected your land. 
it one gave you a sense of connection right mm-hmm. and it you t- right. and it, you made you a thoughtful person it made you a thoughtful hunter and you and you took your land and the deer on it a bit more seriously you thought about them for more than just the few weeks that you were rifle hunting it gave me a better idea of what i could actually control and what i couldn't mm. and and turns out that my signature is on the forest in my hundred acres, right? Yes. Where, 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 where I, you have affected it. Where I have affected it, the signature is there, and you can see that. But it's washing away like a sandcastle you built on the beach. Yeah. Right? Time chews it up and changes it, and that's okay. In Vermont here, we went from 120,000 hunters down to 60, and we're killing nearly the same amount of bucks. In how many years? In about a 20 or 25-year span. Really? Yeah. So we've wow. lost a lot. We're losing about seven hunters a day right now. Yeah. We opened up crossbows as part of normal archery equipment. Sh- and good and, thing. Might as well. Yeah. It really won't yep. hurt anything. In in the short term, it might make a whisker surge in the bow In the kill. archery side of things. Yep. Yeah. But yep. it's it's only temporary because mm-hmm. the... The drain on the overall hunters is just so big that it's yep. a it's it's a straw in a hole the size of a do you culvert, think so. do you think long term managing the deer is even required in the future it may it may be even less than it is now only because like there won't be anybody that really cares that's what I mean the only people who really seem to have an interest and are even remotely connected or at all are the people who hunt them you know and yeah. a lot of people love to see them and love to take photos and appreciate a deer and you know and it's yep. great and they're in the woods doing their thing but the people who are like really dedicated you know you have like whitetail unlimited and all these people that are like super into conservation super into land management super into the deer herd and all that it's because it's a root in hunting and if you have a drop in a population of hunters right Will it, will Nature it get, responds to love. Will it get right? forgotten is what I mean. Yeah. Well, see, all the people love the deer, and nature responds to that. They work at what it takes to make the deer do well, and the deer herd just surged. I mean, the deer, in the, deer herd in the United States is phenomenal. Phenomenal. Yep. It's horrendous, yeah. And, and the people's love for it is equal, and that's really good. Yep. And, and it, they each benefit each other, right? Nature benefits that how much you love them. If you were to go to hating them, and they were a nuisance, right? <laughs> Things wouldn't go so well. No. Now, that's what I mean. You know what I mean? This that's is an important this is like thing. the you stop hunting them; they're everywhere, and now you have to actually start, like you have to start killing them, and not in the same way that you had originally. And they're not as beautiful. Not they're as not as valuable. They're this not is, appreciated. This is right. the problem we're having right now, okay? Yes. Because as soon as you decrease habitat and you start managing them and then you stop managing them, you have side effects that people aren't happy with. Yes. A few, a few, well, a week and a half ago, a lady got killed in the state of Maine by a shark, right? World flipped out. It was the first kill, right? And it was just because it, it's just because she bled out, right? Unfortunately, like that happens, but... So, and it was due to the rise in population of seals on the East Coast, especially the Northeast, yeah, right? Maine's got a lot now we out. have tons yeah. of feed, right? They're, they're not, they're protected. Yep. So the populations have gone up a ton. There's all kinds of regulations that, you know, protect them with people that are fishing. And, mm-hmm. and now all of a sudden you have predators responding to the wave and prey. 
and now there's tons of sharks in the water, right? And it seems like there's more than there used to be, which could be possible. They've always been there, but now they're prominent and closer to shore. The higher seal population. Every time Casey and I go out fishing, we see seals. Cause and effect. Right? right? We're down Absolutely. by the Saco River. We're seeing seals in the Saco River. Yep. What does that mean? There's fish. There are sharks on the edge. They're out in the water looking for the seals. Sure. And now you have the same you have the same thing every time. You have sure. a now people are like, well, we might have to start getting rid of these seals, right? Right. And if we have a giant surge in deer population and no hunters, and now we start having a problem with the deer, we have to push them back in a not-so-great way. I'd rather be a deer you know hunter I mean? who has to go out and go hunting every fall, and it's, it's a joy for me, even if it wasn't a joy, but it was a necessity because there's lots of deer, I would go and do it. Go out and get one and bring it back because it just needs to be but done. But how, the, how we go feel and do about it is not the That's same. That's right. It's the not the same. respect and the love for them would change. They would All of a sudden, they'd be an inconvenience, right? If bears become an inconvenience and become a nuisance because of the new legislation that just got put in the state of Vermont, right, where mm-hmm. everyone's composting and most people don't have the barrels and stuff, or even if they do, are chucking it outside, and now you have bears getting into everybody's yard, right? We've created a food source, and now bears are coming in. We and made a, bears, a problem. <laughs> right? And now all of a sudden you have these interactions, yeah. right? And now there's going to be like a bears are becoming a problem, and they're not going to be as loved and respected. And now we have to start shooting them, and the people feel differently about them because of how we regulate. All I know is I'd rather be a deer hunter who has to go out every year and go get one than to be a guy who's hired to kill deer every day. Exactly. Like to be part of a team that just has to go and annihilate things. Like that, that is so, I would never want to do that. And and it sounds funny because you you say you love to deer hunt so much, but to just go out and just kill them like every day, like I wouldn't want to work in a factory killing cows. The killing of it is not why you do it. If you're a killer, Right, you're you're a little out there, and deer right. hunting's not for you. Yeah. Let's be real. Yeah. And if we end up creating that because of our how we feel about the hunter and the hunting and all the conservation pieces, this could come up. This is very likely that in the future hunters will be hired people, and their job is to control populations. Go out in the neighborhood with you know a sniper I mean? rifle and you know what I don't enjoy? silencer at night. You know what yeah. I don't enjoy? I don't enjoy videos of chopper hunting pigs. However, I know what the deal is. And things, there's a lot There's of them. a ton. They're and they're trouble. destroying ecosystems. Oh, yeah. And they're a pain. But I, there's something about shooting them with a chopper, right? Imagine buffalo hunting with a chopper, and you're out there with a 50 cal laying them down. Just annihilating. You know what I mean? There's no. something. It just no. it feels disconnected from what the hunter is supposed to be. And it's like if we don't manage right and take the conservation piece to ourselves and take it seriously on an individual basis and stop trying to point fingers at legislation and our fellow hunters, right? Because one of, the, one of the comments that one of your guys said on that, not one of your guys, but one of the people on that, that string of mm-hmm. comments was, I don't think that... Uh, it's a big enough herd. You, yeah, there's a big enough herd to support this. Right. And it's like, mm. and and even that is kind of an opinion. It is, and and that's all any of us have. We don't know the isn't opinion. an opinion. We don't know the opinion, right? Well, we and don't know course, the actual numbers of the population anyway. So an opinion's all you got, right? And that's really all you got. Yeah. And and of course everybody's got one, and that's fine. What's um, the, when the science 
looks at the past and looks at the winters, looks at the, the hunting population, looks at what their trends are, and now makes a best guess judgment and says, this is our best guess. And of course, yeah. the, the Fish and Wildlife Board is made up of just citizens hard to who measure. volunteer hard to measure. And, and are appointed. And they, they're not getting paid. They, they go and listen to the science. They listen to the people. They come to a conclusion. And then the, uh, the legislature okays their conclusion. And away you go. And of course, many things about it are an experiment. Mm. You know, because it takes time to see how the rules react. Now, let, let's say we it's have a, a reaction bad basis. It's right. not proactive. Let's at run all. a scenario here. You have okay. a bad winter. Yep. Uh, the following year, because you can't measure the habitat, you measure the deer that comes from that habitat. So you're looking at the deer and you see that it is not as healthy as it should be because the land, like the, the antler beam diameter on a year and a half old buck, right? Mm -hmm. And instead of being 16 or 17, bigger they're small right mm. they're millimeters they're small if that's the case and now that year and a half old buck didn't come through very good and now you start looking at all the year and a half olds and it shows up that none of them are doing that good that that's a like a cue telling you the land isn't as good as it was mm -hmm. now if you say it's bad enough the fawn weights start being reduced they go down five pounds and antler beam diameters go down. Those are the cues to say the land isn't doing that good. There's something that's affecting the health and nutrition of these. Animals. That's right. And we need to, we need to, dose. especially generally lower the, the, the deer herd production of new deer. So they say, okay, let's do it. Now it takes a whole year. First, you shoot a deer late right? The deer that came out of the yard damaged, you don't measure him until it's almost time for him to go back into a yard again. So you have a bad yard on year one. At almost the beginning of year two, you measure the deer from that and you find out about it. Mm -hmm. So the, the yard has been bad for a year, maybe two. And the results take a year to measure. Because you get the that, lag time, the lag us. time, right? Now you say, "Oh, we've got to do something," and you bring it to the people and you tell them what you need to do, and you create the law that is necessary. That takes another year. Yeah. So now the deer yard is on year four of too many deer, yep, three, and we haven't done anything about it about it yet, because the law has to be implemented. And now you have to start carrying out the implementation, which would be to kill those deer. And, and so the, yeah, the yard is in bad shape before, for almost four years before you get around to actually starting to kill those deer and off. And it takes another amount of time just to see if how you... If the effect worked. The effect of hunting it yes. has nothing to do with the overall quality of the yard. See, nope. the problem is the yard. When you pair a yard with bad winters and a lag time of being able to do anything about it and no control over the yard itself. There's almost nothing you're going to do. No, you won't you do anything to the land. And you can't stop shooting them and because even, if you already have a bad yard that's been, that's been destroyed right. and it's on its last legs, if you don't shoot the deer, they're going to eat the yard even worse and now you have none. Not to mention, like you only have partial control over the hunters. Yes. Some of them will get a permit and not use it. That's right. Just to take that permit off the freaking board 
Because a yes. third of them don't even want to shoot a doe. Because there's no deer, right? And nature has already been whispering, no deer. The department yes. finally gets around to listening, right? Because it takes that lag time. Yep. They respond accordingly. And now you have to wait for results and to happen. And to try to influence a social trend. Right. Good luck. Oh, my God. We've, because, we've seen how America can't influence its social trends. Yeah. <laughs> Especially. It knows how to start new ones. 2020, though, right? Right, right. <laughs> 2020. Jeeb Wes. The, the other thing, too, though, which is going to be, which is going to be uh, interesting is what's going to happen now that we've changed uh, the spike and where and how we've, because mm-hmm. we actually just did an update Right, we left our ten-year management plan, which was it had to have a fork on one yeah, side. Yeah, wrote a new and one. We had yep. three or whatever, and now you have we can shoot three does, one buck. But in certain areas, the definition of a buck, a legal buck, has changed. Right, and that too will have an effect. That will do something, but <coughs> excuse me. But but by the by the same token, hunter success rate too. Yes, you know? like some of the areas being um, worried about having you know way too many deer allowed to be shot doesn't change the amount of deer that get shot. Not really. No, like because there's some areas how many where the how many people rate, are going to shoot four deer in one year? Well, on top of the fourth deer being in a place that's really hard to hunt, yeah, the suburbs of Burlington, you know, like. The downtown Montpelier. A lot of times, your best hunters don't hunt in Vermont because that, they hunt a variety of states. That fourth deer that you're being allowed to take is a, a management deer. It's a management deer, sure. and it's you in a little tiny area that is so small, and the rest, the 99% of the state is three deer, yeah. and nothing has changed. And that fourth deer is a little tiny bonus deer of hopefully... Yeah. 10 people would be able to make use of. So there's really you know, no... like Shelburne yeah, Farms. Like I mean, the, geez. You so know. the comments, there's no point in getting bent out of shape about it, really. If you break it down logically like that, there's really no need to get bent out of shape about there being an allowance of four deer in the state of Vermont because the fourth, or there's been three for the longest time, for, right, for the last decade, over oh, yeah. a decade. Right. And now you're allowed a fourth, but it's in areas that don't get hunted. And the reason they added the fourth was because they needed to get the deer population down in those urbanized areas. Where you can't really hunt anyway. So, yeah. And like, you have so, to have permission to know somebody, right? And you have right. to like get in there and you really have to have a lot of effort to Right. Hunt We're there. hoping like 20 guys can get in there, right? <laughs> that way we can cut it down. Maybe 20 deer. Maybe. Maybe. Right. And odds are good that it'll never be affected. Habitat. Yeah. It's going to be tough. Opening your kind of, you know, what are you willing to do for your deer herd, basically? And taking ownership of your own deer herd and trying to make an effect there and not with a rifle is what needs to be done. There's also, like, you don't want to take things too literally, too assuming. There's a lot of assuming yes. when it comes to the rules and why mm-hmm. they made them the way they made. And, like, if you haven't been paying attention and, and you then hear you hear something, it's pretty easy to say, well, this is a bad idea. To fly off before you Let's know face it. If we're losing seven hunters a day. It doesn't matter, yeah. And that we're, we're upset about four tags. Give it three years. Three years from now. There'll be five. I bet there'll be five. There might be six. Mm-hmm. Because there'll be even fewer people hunting. And the few people who, who do want to hunt, they'll have a chance, a real good chance of it'll shooting also, a lot of deer. It'll also be pertinent to start managing your land more and more and more and more and more and more. Because you're going to have less and less hunters, which means a less and less kill. And if you have a, if your does are having one, 
right? Three deer, or two deer turn to three, and then three deer turn to five, right? And then five deer turn to like what eight or something like that. So now you start having deer populations starting to be able to go up in the next ten years. If you lose seven hunters a day in the next ten years, it's ten thousand or more than that. Right? You know, if you if you get out your crystal ball and you're looking into the future. Odds are good we're not going to be on one buck for very long. No, it'll be two. We, and and even if we had to go to earn bucks, and it won't be and like you had that to shoot for a doe, and it won't be it. that way for and long. And even that, you'll won't be even allowed work. a lot of deer for a short period of time, and then you'll have a crash, and then you won't be allowed any deer at all. Or or it'll be back to just a few. Right. We, we've been so stable in shooting about ten thousand bucks every single year for like forever. That's mm-hmm. about what Vermont will ever grow. I think in it's this just year, gonna stay I think that this way. year, twenty twenty, you're gonna see a, you're gonna see a small spike in uh, hunter participation over the majority of your methods. You're gonna see more people getting into hunting because, you know, one people All love the, the self sufficiency of being able to go out and feed yourself and the getting back out in nature and starting something new, right? Everyone's sick of being in the house and stuff, so they want to get out there and get going. We've had enough of America in its current state. We can't wait to get out in turn the woods again, the right? TV. Turn, we want to turn off all the, the junk and go back to wait. relaxing because that's it's the, the right way to feel. It's the right way to be. Nature's got it down, harmony, right? When you're Just relax you know, and When you have work. a tendency and an ability to distance yourself from people a little bit and reconnect with nature it's better for everybody better for yourself better for you know your fellow hunters you know and you almost need something for hunters to band behind because hunters get hunters get stuff done yeah you know a group of active people active in their government active in their you know neighborhoods and you know what i mean and (laughs) and this is kind of the people that could get stuff done the most would be hunters and really taking taking your land seriously and taking a good look at it is going to be important. Having someone care about it. We actually put up a video. I just remembered. Was it in March? You and I did a video uh, yes. talking about how to start, you yeah. know, getting your property going for uh, deer. Sure. You know what I mean? Because yeah. even if even if you don't create like really good wintering habitat, but you do create a good place for a doe to keep her fawn, that's still good. You yeah. know what I mean? Your land might not hold that many deer that long in the winter, right. but it's thick enough and it's got leaves from ground to ceiling and it will, it'll hold fawns. I, I always tried to offset what trouble I made. Yeah. If all of us tried to offset even a small portion of the trouble we make, you know, whether it's your emissions, whether it's anything, right? If you help offset and everybody, 7 billion people each did a little bit, yep. the world would be a better place in a hurry, you know? And I think I think New England can get it done. We oh, have yeah. I think yeah. we can change our forest in a short amount of time with a couple chainsaws and a weed whacker. You know what I mean? <laughs> like get out there, start you know, start allowing some softwood growth. We need some more softwood. Your hemlocks, your cedars and all that grow some spruce and grow some grow some softwood trees as well. But also have a nice diversity. But you have to be careful. You start, well, you start getting into forestry and stuff, and we have a lot of knotweed and buckthorn, a lot of crap trees and stuff like that, and things that can just take your woods over and be a nightmare. But yeah. the thicks and tangly stuff is also nature. Birds, they like that stuff. It's normal. It's normal. Yeah. So as a as kind of like a, a closing little thing, what do you think is the best form of action for somebody that's just looking to you know, maybe take a few more steps towards being a conservation hunter? Well, first, instead of just being a regular Joe no, Schmo, participate like in in the fish and wildlife meetings and 
in in the government when it comes to the protection and the managing of all wild resources right we want everyone because it's it's america's resource we yeah. all share it you know and of course we share it with canada and mexico too mm-hmm. so that's important um you know another big kind of recap is that the whole point of especially one of the major points of hunting is to buy a license right those license dollars help pay the bills and for now it's the best method we got and nothing nothing beats like it and nobody else is going to step up that's just it's just the way it is mm-hmm. the other thing we participate in that most important hunt of all keeping Does. the herd in control where it needs it because that's we care about deer we want them to do well we want them to be healthy you know vermont new hampshire and maine the last three states in the whole u.s with no deer diseases we, we want to keep it that way um then of course keep in mind that when when you're pulling the trigger on that doe right and you're, you're doing a service you're, you're doing the deer herd a service in so many ways and they're so beautiful and they're just as much of a, a gift as any any buck would Damn be right. so they, it's it's important to um the third thing of course is to participate well right yep and and, and put your ego aside when you're learning some of the things yeah right because we all got one, right? We all got a personality, and mm-hmm. sometimes it gets in the way of our learning. And it's so important to just set yourself aside and your thoughts and all of your past training and all of your past experience and really listen to what's going on and learn learn and study things you don't know. Yeah. Everybody wants yep. to talk about things they do know and find someone else who just agrees with them. And then they can all sit around yeah. and nod their heads. And it's like, dude, I want to talk to people I don't know. I want to, I want to know the deal. That, that's right. Because it's so important to do that. And there's going to be lots of people that are scrutinizing what we do and how we do it. And they're really eyeballing and things cool. over. And if you don't and agree with any of this, that's cool too. That's fine. Because you, you know it. It's good to have people that disagree because they check crazy ideas. Absolutely. You know what I mean? If you're crazy yeah. and you put an idea out there that's a little, little like Way whatever, out a little outfield, <laughs> right? And everyone's like, yeah, it's a great idea. You don't think you're crazy, right? <laughs> right? And a crazy idea that everybody goes along with. Next thing you know, you have this like. We've met a few of those. Yeah, man. Right. I've been that a few times. Yeah. Right. So it's like, you know, just enjoy yourself and, yep. and see things for the way they really are. Mm-hmm. And most of the time, they're not that bad. Most of the time, they're yeah. pretty darn good. Humans have this like habit of thinking things are terrible and bad, and that we need to squeeze and manage and our freaking Vermont's ring, deer herd. Right? There's also a stigma thing. about our bucks. There were some hogs that came out last year. Yeah. Right? Vermont's got no big older buck. Bang, nine year old. Right? Rack a freaking saurus. Yeah. How many deer? Like in the last three years, because the snow has been early and been farther south, you're seeing some monsters come off the border. We had some snow last two years. And, and of course, that mild winter four years ago made this huge fawn crop, and they were all mature. There were four-year-olds by the boatload this last season. This was the best collection of antlers I've ever had come into the shop. So many good, healthy does. Fawns, too. Big. The weights look great on the does. They weren't all skin and bone in the spring. Beautiful. It's It's been good. 
right? Yeah. It can always be better, but it's been good. The future's definitely not bleak. Not it's by not any bleak. No, nope. you know, and there'll be lots more tags for those of us who are That's willing right. to do it. And especially trackers, man, this is gonna be great. Yeah, <laughs> no, watch this year. We'll have a uh, popcorn dry the entire season. Oh, geez, no, rain. no, you shut your mouth. <laughs> <laughs> but it is yeah, what it is. Totally. Thanks for sharing, everybody. Yeah, hopefully you, hopefully you guys enjoyed this podcast. Thank you so much for listening. We had a good, uh, good time chatting about this. This is something we've been wanting to talk about for a while. Let us know what you think. Uh, hit us up on social media. Message us. We have an email just for you guys. Uh, it's askmountaindeer at gmail, M-T-N-D-E-E-R at gmail.com. That's only for our podcast people, you and us having conversations. Uh, if there's a topic you want to you know, cover, if you want to share an idea, if you want to share some images, video, whatever, you know, send it right over. We'd be happy to have a conversation with you guys. Have some good luck out there. Oh, I'm, yeah, this I, fall's coming. Man, yeah. what is it, August? What's the date today? August 8th? Yeah, yeah. God, my, it feels like it's so far away. I can feel sides of my neck swelling up already. A little bit. Getting yeah. a little tense. Yeah. I just... Yeah, it's I'm, been really good. I haven't been this excited for a deer season in a long time. It didn't help talking to Hal. No, it didn't. You know, when, when you start talking to... And I'm seeing way more deer hunters right now. I'm mounting them and, and sending them home. Oh, so all, all the deer, deer. hunters yep, are stopping. All, yeah, We've had a whole bunch of folks home. just stop just to see us and whatnot. And as soon as you start talking, and I'm like, I don't want to think about it. <laughs> I've got too much to do between now and deer season. But I'm already starting yeah. to get wired up for yeah. it. And it's like, oh, man. Doing doing yeah. Uh, yeah. podcasts and prepping videos and getting our gear it's together not and stuff. It's not, it's not. I know it's not time. <laughs> and I heard somebody on the radio was like, Halloween's around the corner. And I was like, no. <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> but thank you guys so much for listening again. We can't wait to see you this fall. Hope you guys had a great time listening to this podcast. And we will see you in the next one. Take care. Happy hunting.